Let's read from Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And we're reading the five verses down to the end of the chapter. Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 to 19, please. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name small and great and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Amen. This incoming year is the Platinum Jubilee of Her Majesty the Queen. It is 70 years since she came to the throne. 70 years since her accession to the throne. That was back in 1952. The following year was her coronation. Her accession was in 1952. Her coronation was in 1953. During the coronation service, Her Majesty knelt along with Prince Philip and received communion. It's a fact that I only discovered yesterday as I studied for this passage and did a little bit of research and I was very interested to notice that our present queen took communion. She, was, she received the bread and the wine on the day that she was crowned as the queen of the commonwealth. If it's good enough for her majesty, I hope it's good enough for you. I hope, brother or sister in Christ, that you'll be at the table today. The coronation of the Queen. I want us to think today about the coronation of the King. It's the coronation of King Jesus. And you'll notice, folks, that first of all, in verse 15, you've got a fanfare. And the seventh angel sounded. Do you know what the coronation of um, Her Majesty the Queen, there was a trumpet fanfare. Yeah, back in 1953, 2nd of June 1953, the trumpet fanfare for the new Queen. Well, here in heaven, there's a trumpet fanfare for the new King. 
This is the Hallelujah Chorus, or part of the Hallelujah Chorus. If you've ever uh, gone to hear Handel's Messiah, this is part of the Hallelujah Chorus. If you haven't gone to see it, sometime when you get a chance, go and see it. Go and hear it. The Hallelujah Chorus. It'll do your heart good. But here it is, part of the Hallelujah Chorus. The kingdoms of this world... And mind you, that includes the United Kingdom. Aye, the United Kingdom is included here. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Mark those two words, his Christ. Be careful what you do with his Christ. God the Father's Christ. I his Christ. And he loves him. And he'll not tolerate any abuse of his Christ. I and he shall reign forever and ever. Do you know, back in Matthew chapter 4, the devil tried to get the Lord Jesus to bow down and to, to um, worship him. And then the devil said that he would give the Savior the kingdoms of the world. Turn with me back to that portion for a moment. Matthew 4. And verse 8. Again... <coughs> The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. There's that word kingdoms that you find in Revelation 11 verse 15. Showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So here's the carrot that's dangled in front of the Lord Jesus. Folks, beware when the devil dangles a carrot in front of you. Well, the carrot was dangled in front of the Lord Jesus here. And the devil says, Now, Jesus, Son of God, if you, if you, I mean, all you have to do is, is kneel before me. Just take a knee and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world see that united kingdom over there Jesus it'll be yours and all the other kingdoms whole world it'll be I'll, I'll give it to you do you honestly think that the devil would have given it to Jesus I don't think so you see he's a liar he's a deceiver he deludes people. But apart, even apart from that, I mean, who, did, who, who does the devil think he is here? Does he think he owns the kingdoms of the world? The reality is he doesn't own them, so he can't give them to the Lord. You see, the Lord owns them already. They belong to Jesus. So uh, the devil has no business here uh, pretending that, 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 that he owns the kingdoms of the world and if only Jesus will bow, then he'll give him the kingdoms of the world. Do you see the nonsense of it? 
But anyway, the upshot of it was that our blessed Savior, our stainless, sinless Savior, resisted the temptation. Like every other temptation that the devil hurled at him for 33 years, he resisted every one. He did not sin. In fact, he could not sin. It's like a bridge. You know how whenever engineers build a bridge, they will send heavy articulated lorries over it just to prove to everybody who's watching that it can carry the weight. It's not going to break. It's not going to collapse. Oh, our blessed Savior didn't collapse when he was tempted. Not like us when the devil tempts us. Sad to say, often we, we have to confess, Lord, I collapsed. Not the Savior, not the Lord Jesus, not the Christ of God who owns the kingdoms of the world. And he still owns them today, hallelujah, and he's coming back to to claim what is rightfully his. What an empire he possesses. The empire of King Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Hallelujah, the greatest empire the world has ever seen. Men talk about the Roman Empire. Men talk about the British Empire. And mind you, the British Empire was some empire. And thank God the gospel went forth through the British Empire. And missionaries went to the ends of the earth because of the British Empire. You hear all the woke brigade today talking, Oh, the British Empire, we have to apologize for all the evils of the British Empire. <clears throat> I tell you, there's a lot of places in the world would never have heard the gospel if it wasn't for the British Empire. Oh, the great missionary advance that took place at the time of the British Empire. British Empire is not so good today. It's not so healthy today. You know the reason for that is because we've turned our back on the Lord. You turn your back on the Lord, there's only one direction you're going, and that's downhill. Oh, the empire of King Jesus here. And the fanfare of trumpets hurled this empire and the crowning, the coronation of the king. Then verse 16, what you notice, the friends of the king. Yeah, you got the fanfare, but then you've his friends in verse 16. Are you a friend of Jesus? It's good to be a friend of Jesus. It's good to have him as your friend. You'll never have a better friend. He's not a fair weather friend. You know what I always say? When you want to know who your true friends are, just watch what happens when you make a really big mistake. Very quickly you'll find out who your true friends are. We as Christians, of course, we make mistakes. We let the Lord down. We're not what we should be. Hallelujah, we're not what we once were, but, but we're still not what we should be. But the Lord Jesus is our friend and he's our forever friend. 
And when we make a mistake, when we fall, he doesn't come along and kick us when we're down. No, he lifts us up again. This king with the pierced hands, what a friend he is. Look at his friends in verse 16. If you turn back there to the 16th verse of Revelation 11. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. There's 24 of them here. This is not really a big congregation, is it? So often people think that, oh, big must be good. Oh, there's a big church. It's packed to the gills. It must be a good church. It's not always the case. We could say here's a small church in heaven, small congregation, only 24 people in it. The friends of the king and the friends of the lamb. But what I want you to notice, folks, today, this is a thought the Lord led on my heart regarding these 24 elders, which, by the way, just represent the entire church, the, the entire bride of Christ. But I want you to notice their reverence. Their reverence. They fell upon their faces and worshipped God. You know, one of the greatest needs of the church today is reverence for the Lord. Whenever you meet the Queen... You, you must be reverent. You must show her respect. You must give her the respect that is due to her. When a man meets the queen, he must bow, a neck bow, isn't that right? To show respect. A lady must curtsy. It's the etiquette, it's the protocol for, for meeting the monarch. When you speak to the queen, you, you, you initially must refer to her as your majesty. And then if she speaks again and asks you a question, then you, you call her ma'am. You address her as ma'am. You can't just say, how you doing, Lizzie? She's the queen. You need to show her respect. I need to show her respect. Don't know whether you'll ever get invited to a garden party in Buckingham Palace. But I'm just here, it's just sort of getting you ready for it, you know. But whenever whenever the Queen goes to an event and she's standing, don't you dare sit down. Don't you sit down until she sits down. And you see, whenever you start the, whenever you're sitting for the meal with Her Majesty, now whenever she stops eating, you stop eating. They say that Queen Victoria was a very fast eater. So you, you know, they kind of have to be fast. You'd have to eat very quickly uh, if you were going to get your, get your meal, get your food. And hopefully, hopefully you didn't suffer from indigestion afterward. 
Whenever Her Majesty is at a particular event, she leaves first. Nobody leaves before her, because that's disrespectful. Friends, if these are things that we need to adhere to for an earthly monarch, how much more do we need to show respect and reverence to the heavenly monarch? To the king, king of kings. Reverence for him. Reverence when we, when we take his word, the Bible. You know, they, they say, uh, I remember hearing the story of a, a Christian man who went to, to Russia. And in a particular meeting, in a particular church, he, he walked in with his Bible and he, he sat down. And he kind of just sort of, you know, dropped, threw the Bible down below his seat. There's a Russian believer tapped him on the shoulder and, and he said, excuse me, that's the word of God. Reverence for the Bible. Reverence for the house of God and reverence for his name holy and reverend is his name the psalmist said she can hardly turn on the TV now without somebody taking the Lord's name in vain oh there's a bad word oh turn it off switch it over oh but if they take the Lord's name in vain just keep watching it we're inclined to be like that aren't we The friends of the king, they're, they're very reverent toward him, very respectful toward him. The fanfare, the friends, that you've got their feeling toward him in verse 17. How do these, these elders feel toward the king, toward the Lord Jesus, the Christ? How do they feel about him in verse 17? It tells us that they're thankful, they're grateful. We see their gratitude in verse 17. We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that you're all-powerful. You're in control. That's what they're really saying here. These people are so thankful that their Savior, their King, is sovereign. He's got the power. John was on the Isle of Patmos. My, what, a, what an encouragement this must have been for him in the midst of his persecution. Just to know that his Lord was in control, that his Lord was sovereign over all that was happening in his life. Do you know whenever Her Majesty the Queen was crowned back in 53, after the ceremony she, she was given a, a little, it's one of the crown jewels actually, it's called the Orb and the Cross. It's uh, just a ball, it's a very, not just any ball, not a, not a ball, it's not made of plastic, it's made of very costly materials. And it's a, 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 an orb they call it. And then on top of the orb, there's a cross. 
And as she left Westminster Abbey and she returned to Buckingham Palace, she was carrying this orb with the cross on top of it. You know that orb with the cross symbolizes Christ's dominion of the world. Christ's dominion of the world. I want to tell you folks that he still rules. He ruled in 1953. He still rules today. He reigns. It's good to be worshipping him this morning, isn't it? Let me say this as well with regard to his power. He is an absolute monarch. Her Majesty the Queen is what's known as a constitutional monarch. She's the queen, she's the figurehead, but she does not have any real power. She doesn't make the decisions. It's the Prime Minister and the members of Parliament. It's her government that make the decisions. She's just a a constitutional monarch. I want to tell you the Lord Jesus isn't a constitutional monarch. He's an absolute monarch because absolute authority rests with him. Whatever you need today, he has the power to meet your need. I was just reading that little text of scripture the other night. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever your need is, he can meet it. The only thing that stops your need being met today is you not coming to him. He's got the power. And here's these, here are his friends as they fall on their faces and worship him. And they're so grateful, so thankful that he has, he has taken his great power. They're so thankful that he has this great power. I'm so thankful that he has this great power at the beginning of 2022. Let's remind ourselves today, folks, that power doesn't reside at Stormont. Power doesn't reside at Westminster. Neither does it reside at the White House. Hallelujah, it resides in heaven at God's right hand. That's where the power is today. The foes of the king are mentioned in verse 18. These are the people who hate to see him crowned. They hate to see Jesus crowned king of the world. Verse 18, look at his foes. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And at the end of the verse you notice, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Boy, you think about the Chinese pumping out all their CO2. Nobody bats an eyelid and everybody blames. Oh, the UK and US, oh, we'll have carbon zero, all the rest of it. Just let the Chinese pump out as much as they want and pollute the atmosphere as much as they want. And nobody says a word. This planet belongs to the Lord and yes, we're, we're just the stewards of it. And we, we, we ought to take care of it because it belongs to him. It belongs to our creator. We ought to take care of the animals. I've said before many a time that it's a terrible thing for a Christian to be cruel to one of God's creatures. It's a shameful thing. 
But here are the foes of the king. They destroy the earth. Psalm 2 refers to the foes of the king. Psalm 2 speaks there of the uh, kings of the earth. And it says they, they take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Or as it's here in Revelation, his Christ, the foes. And sure, they're busy today trying to erect their new world order, trying to establish their great reset. I mean, can you not see it today in the world? Are you awake yet? Sure, they're starting to put chips in the hands of people in Sweden, little microchips in their hand. You ever hear the mark of the beast? Oh, but sure, that's away in the future. Oh, that'll not happen for a long time yet. Well, I wouldn't be so sure. A whole lot of Christians are asleep. Boy, a whole lot of churches asleep today. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Then the furniture, let me finish. There's the furniture here of the king in verse 19. The furniture. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. No lockdown there, hallelujah. Heaven's opened. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. There's the furniture, the ark. It was the most holy object in the tabernacle and the temple. The ark of the covenant. I tell you friends, the Lord is saying to us here, he's not finished with Israel, the Jews. You see, the ark is connected with the Jews, it's connected with Israel. I want to tell you that all Israel shall be saved. The Lord loves his ancient people and the Iranians and the Russians and the Chinese that can, uh, that can prepare their nuclear weapons and their uranium and plutonium and all the rest of it. But I'll tell you the Lord's not finished with his ancient people. And if you touch Israel, you're touching the apple of his eye. And you better watch out because you're on a collision course with the Almighty. But you know the ark here reminds us of the presence of the Lord. Wherever the ark went in the Old Testament times, the presence of the Lord went. That's why the, the Israelites lamented whenever the Philistines stole the ark. The presence of God was gone. Ichabod! The glory is departed. Is not the one thing we want throughout this year is the presence of God, the presence of the Lord in our midst. But then this ark reminds us, of course, of the mercy seat. Because the mercy seat was the, the lid or the covering upon the ark. And every year the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. 
and he would sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat. Oh, here we're reminded at the end of Revelation chapter 11 of the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. I want to tell you, dear friend, that there's mercy with the Lord today. If you're not saved, you need his mercy. Maybe you don't even realize it. I pray that at the beginning of this year, the Holy Spirit will show you your need of his mercy. Child of God, if you've gone astray, you need his mercy today. Thank God there is mercy with the Lord. Thank God you can come to the mercy seat today. We can all come right now to the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. There's mercy with the Lord because of the blood, because of the blood of Jesus, because because of the blood of the King. And we're going to sing in a moment or two John Newton's hymn, Approach My Soul, The Mercy Seat. Of course, John Newton experienced the mercy of the Lord, didn't he? Out in Loxwilly, on the Greyhound, battered by a storm. And the man who had blasphemed the Lord all his life, and he actually used to take Bible verses and twist them and... He used to change the words so that they were, it was blasphemy. That was the kind of man that Newton was before he was saved. But there on, on the greyhound in the midst of the storm, he cried out for mercy. He cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the king for mercy. And because of the blood-sprinkled mercy seat in heaven... The Lord Jesus had mercy on him and saved him. And he wrote our closing hymn, Approach my soul, the mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer, there humbly fall before his feet, for none can perish there. That's the hymn we're going to sing as we close. Let's do so just now. And if you need to approach the mercy seat, you can do that. Hallelujah. Number 543, standing as we sing.